Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. Seriously, if you want to relieve stress, go to the Word of God. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's just so weird, isn't it? Yes. People say stuff like that. I apologize for it. Are you kidding me? Let's all do baptism, and I have a little pool here, and we'll all feel nice and relaxed. That's baptism. Mm. No, baptism is a sacred Christian rite. All the various yogas are sacred Hindu rites. Wake up, America! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. We're going to the university again today for Witness Wednesday. We're just going to go talk to folks to see if they will have chats on the radio, as and we will ponder the big philosophical questions. Let's see what sort of thinkers we have here. For instance, there's a guy laying on his back who is reading a book, So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star. Hey, dude, could I talk to you on the radio? That'd be all right. So you want to be a rock and roll star, do you? Well, not particularly, but... The author of the book is one of my, uh, the members of my favorite band, so. Which band is that? Semi-Sonic. And so you're interested, so you're reading the book. All right. Today we're out on the campus, and we're going to ask the big philosophical questions of life. You're young, you're thinking about where you're going in life, what life has in store for you. Here's our, you know, the, the big question that all the philosophers ask are questions like, where did I come from? What am I doing here? Where am I going? You want to grab one of those and tell me what your thoughts are? Where'd you come from? What are you doing here? And where are you going? By the way, how old are you? I am 20 years old. All right, 20 years old. So you've had some of these thoughts run through your brain, right? Absolutely. All right, so where'd you come from? What are you doing here and where are you going? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, don't know. Or you haven't thought about it. Or where do you think it came from? Well, my theory on that is I, I'm a Christian. Uh, however, I don't, as far as evolution goes, I believe that um, we were created by God. Um, but not necessarily in this form. I do believe in evolution from something else that was created by God. There are so many things in the world that can't be explained. That's why I believe in God. He's the final explanation for those things. Uh, but I'm also a scientist. I'm a chemical engineer. So I believe in a lot of uh, things from a scientific aspect, too. So let's just say, well, I'm just going to take what you just said. You believe in God because he answers some of the unanswerable questions. What if, through getting your degree in chemical engineering and through science, they're able to answer a lot of those questions? Would you still believe in God? Well, my thoughts on that are that as many questions as can be answered by science or other things, um, they're going to develop further questions which can't be answered. There's always going to be something else out there that no one can explain to me. But hypothetically... Pretty much, it resolves in your mind that science has the answer for stuff. Will you still have a need for God at that point? Absolutely. Why? Why? You said you're a Christian. Tell me why you're a Christian. Christian. Well, I was raised Christian. I mean, ultimately, that's why I'm a Christian. If I wasn't raised Christian, I wouldn't have been introduced to it. Um, but now you're 20. You've been introduced to Islam and Buddhism and everything else, but you're sticking with Christianity. Why? Uh, it's... I guess it's because I haven't found any reason not to, if that makes sense. Uh, it's never failed me. Uh, you know, whenever times have gotten tough, I've been able to fall back on my beliefs and fall back on people who have similar beliefs and uh, share in with share with them on that. And I guess that's why. All right, so tell me, what is the greatest thing that God has done for you? Uh, he's given me the opportunity to choose my own path. He's given me the opportunity to be a scientist and believe in those things as well as still have my faith in him. Now, the last question. Where are you going? When you die, where do you think you're going? I don't know. I, I, I hope I can get to heaven. I hope I can 
be the kind of person I need to be to get to heaven, but... Do you think you have to be a good person to get to heaven? Depends on your definition of good. I think you have to be forgiven, obviously. You have to be forgiven, but uh, I don't know. All right, explain to me then. You said you think you're going to heaven, or I think the word you used was hopefully. Or you hope. All right, tell me what your confidence level is. Out of a, a score of 100, are you at a 50-50, 80-20? Where, where are you hovering? Uh, well, I've got hopefully quite a bit of my life ahead of me, so where I am now, if I were to die tomorrow, I'd say I'm 80-20, maybe a little better than that. Uh, I think I lead a pretty good life, pretty wholesome. Okay, so I'm a little confused now, young man. You're 80-20. You think you're going to heaven, 80%. Pretty good, you're going to heaven. What do you think it takes to get into heaven? <laughs> uh, I mean, what's missing? Is it like you got to clean up 20% of your act? Is that what you're thinking? I think yeah, I should be more devout in my beliefs, but sometimes I feel like I don't have time for that. So I guess that's my main... So if you were... I'm just... You tell me if I've got this right or wrong. If you were perhaps more devout in your faith, then you would be convinced that you're going to heaven. You'd be 100%. I don't think I'd ever be 100%. Uh, really? Now, i got to tell you, that's a little perplexing to me because I happen to be a Christian, so I thought that you can know for sure where you're going when you die, but you don't seem to have that same confidence. Is that is that is that right? I think at the moment before my death, I, I hope I'll be confident. No, I don't know. I, I really don't know. So... Once again, though, what does it take to get to heaven? If you aren't sure, there must be something that you must do in order to be confident that you are going to heaven. Let's say this guy is sitting right here. He came up to you and said, what do I need to do to go to heaven? What would you tell him? Tell him to be a good person and follow the, the voice of God that's inside him. All right. Let's check that out real quick. By the way, what's your first name? I'm Luke. Luke. Like the Bible name, right? That's where I was named from, yeah. Okay, for like the Bible book. All right. So, Luke, you consider yourself to be a good person. Is that right? I do. Have you kept the Ten Commandments? More or less. All right. Have you ever told a lie? Absolutely. Okay, so what, is, what does that make you? If you've told lies, what type of person tells lies? Sinner. Specifically, if I told a lie, you'd call me a? A liar. Liar, right. All right. Have you ever stolen anything? Uh... Yes. All right, so what does that make you? A uh, thief. Okay. Have you ever looked at a woman and had a sexual thought about her that uh, you shouldn't have had? Yes. All right. You know that Jesus said that if you've done that, you've committed adultery in your heart because you've lusted. You don't have to commit the act. Think about it. He's got you tagged. All right. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Yes. All right, now, you die. You're standing before God to give an account for every thought, every word, every deed, and every action. He takes you through the Ten Commandments, which is what we just did. We went through like four commandments. Do you think he's going to find you innocent or guilty, Luke? Guilty. So are you going to heaven or hell? Like I said, I, I hope and think that I may be going to heaven. Why? Because he forgives us. Why? That's what he does. He's a forgiving person. So he's going to forgive everybody? I don't know. Okay. Let me, I'm going to rephrase it and I'm going to put some emphasis on a certain word. So listen carefully. You're standing before God. You're guilty of breaking his laws. In fact, let me even take it a step further. You're 20 years old, right? Would you say that this is fair for the last 10 years? You have sinned. You have broken God's commandments three times a day. Would you think that's at least a reasonable number? Sure. Dishonoring your parents, a filthy thought, anger, etc. All right. 
if I do my math right, that's about 10,000 violations of God's laws. There you stand. He knows it all. Every thought, every word, and every deed. Finds you guilty, as you just said. Should he send you to heaven, or should he send you to hell? He should send me to hell. But that's not where you want to go, right? Really? Clearly, right. So why is he going to take you to heaven, then, if you if you should go to hell? As I said before, I think it's because he's a forgiving individual. Now, I want to take you to a courtroom on earth. You get busted. The police come by here for what? You can't have roller, what are they, roller blades on the grass here at the university. You've broken the law. They take you before the judge. They've got a picture of it. They've got you busted. And you can't read anything by semi-sonic. It's against the law. And you're guilty. And you stood before the judge and said, yes, I, I, I'm guilty, but I think you're forgiving. And I think you should just let me go. Should the judge do that? No, he shouldn't do that, should he? Because a judge is sworn to uphold justice. He must punish when people do wrong, correct? So why won't God punish you for breaking his laws? I... It's not in his nature. So he lets in rapists and murderers and criminals and thieves into heaven? I bet there are some of those people in heaven, yes. Okay. They've converted and they've changed their ways. Not... Well, that's, that's a new piece of information, all right? So tell me then, Luke. You're standing before God. You're guilty. You should go to hell. Specifically, what has God done for you so you don't have to go to hell? What has he done to pay your fine? He died for our sins. There you go. Jesus Christ died for our sins, to forgive us of our sins. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins, right? Yes. Now, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for 80% of your sins or 100%? 100%. Right, there you go. So you should be going to heaven, not because you're pretty good, you need to be more devout, but because you're forgiven, period, right? Yes. It's not about doing enough good to be there, being really devout to get there. It's just about being forgiven, correct? Yes. So are you forgiven? Yes. So you should be knowing you're going to heaven for sure, right? In theory, yes, I should be. It makes sense, right? Or maybe is it because your faith is a little on the wobbly side? That's part of it, too. What did you do to become a Christian? Well, I was baptized, I mean... As a child? As an infant, yeah. But now as an adult, have you come to the point where you've recognized, you know what, God is real, he's holy, he's the just judge of all the world, I've sinned against him, he died on a cross to forgive me, and I need to repent and put my trust in him? Have you come to that adult realization yet? Yes, yes, I was confirmed as a, as a Catholic a few years ago. Are you born again? I think so, yes. So then you should know, right? I should. All right, so then real quick, I just because I know you want to scoot, you said I said two things that you got to do to be made right with God. I said you got to repent, which means confess and forsake your sins, and put your trust in Jesus Christ, all right? You're confident you've done that. Yes. Then you should be confident you're forgiven and going to heaven, right? Thank you. Then have, you should have a better day. <laughs> and if you don't know for sure, then do that. Not rely on getting more holy or righteous, but repenting before God and putting your trust in Him. And then he says he'll give you a new heart with new desires. You'll know you're saved and you'll be found not guilty on the day of judgment. Fair enough? Huh? You're a nice young man. Thanks for talking to me. All right, see you, dude. I hope your book is good. All right. This is Wretched Radio. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck. One dollar. 
That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. We are so grateful for your ongoing support, which you know allows us to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that standing firm with us in this effort is no small thing, and we want to express our appreciation to you. So thank you, Gospel Partners, for your continued support. As you know, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and all financial gifts are tax-deductible. We're responsible for programs like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and Transformed, with the mission being reaching millions of lost souls through culturally compelling, biblically sound, and gospel-centered productions. So again, Gospel Partners, please continue standing firm with us in this effort. And if you're not already a Gospel Partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? You can get all the information you would ever need about becoming a Gospel Partner by visiting wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb. When you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 64 AD. After fire ravages Rome, Emperor Nero blames Christians and unleashes the first state-sanctioned persecution of Christians. Roman persecution would continue for 250 years until Emperor Constantine officially recognized and defended Christianity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. All right, I'm on the grass here. There's just pretty much anybody that you can talk to. So I'm going to see if this young man would be willing to have a little chat with me. He was just sitting here... Hey, could I touch you on the radio for a second? Well, we're talking to people. What uh, what year are you in here? I'm a sophomore. Sophomore. All right, so maybe you've already pondered these questions, but we are asking university students the big questions of life, not just what they're studying, but the big philosophical, where'd you come from, what are you doing here, where are you going kind of questions. Uh, well, I mean, if that's your viewpoint, if you're an existentialist, but the big philosophy, you know, how did we arrive? Did we get created? Did we get big banged? What's the purpose? What's the goal of man? And then ultimately, does something happen to us when we die? Do we go anyplace? Do you have any views on that subject? Well, I think there has to be a higher sort of purpose for our being here. I mean, whether it's uh, self-betterment and helping out our fellow man, I mean, that remains to be seen. And that's a personal viewpoint of uh, whoever you're talking to. 
So what do you think you're doing here? I just I just think I'm here to learn, learn as much as I can and kind of, uh, you know, if I get the chance to help people out along the way, you know, power to me, I guess. Do you think there's an afterlife? I don't know. I guess I'll find out when I get there. All right. So if you don't know for sure, I'm curious, are you living life to the full? I'd like to think so. I think that's really all you can do. All right. Then answer this question. I come from a pretty religious bent, and so I try to follow a certain set of morals and guidelines because I believe that there's a judgment to come where we'll be judged for every thought, word, deed, and action. And so try to live by a certain standard. So I'm just curious, and you can explain this to me. If you don't believe that there's an ultimate accountability, shouldn't you basically be partying your head off and doing everything that you just enjoy doing a lot? Because if this is it, shouldn't this be just the maximum amount of fun for you? I suppose so, but I mean, I guess there's, you know, living in a society of people, there's certain norms you have to conform to. I mean, you have to respect other people and there's laws imposed on us, whether they be, you know, higher spiritual, religious laws or just the laws of man. But as far as, you know, not breaking the law, I'm not saying go out and rob a bank, but just, you know, partying, having a good time, doing whatever it is that you enjoy doing, that isn't maybe the most productive thing in the world, but it's just plain fun. Are you doing the maximum amount of that? No, I suppose you have to split up, uh, you know, what you do between altruistic purposes as far as, you know, learning and helping other people out as far as just, uh, you know, having fun, I guess. So what's your goal in life? Ultimately, when you get laid to rest, the tombstone gets erected, your accomplishment that you go, yeah, that's the thing that I was striving for. What is it? I guess satisfaction in uh, everything I've done. You know, I'd like to say that I've really accomplished something, you know, laid something behind me. I haven't really found out what that's going to be yet, but I'd like to say that I made some sort of difference. All right, so contributed to mankind somehow. Where do you, where do you think we came from? You know, I don't know. Is that a creationism versus evolution type question? or Most likely, because those are really the two big schools. Well, I guess people overlook the kind of... Uh, the chance that it could be a combination of both as far as uh, Darwin's theory of evolution and creationism goes. As far as, you know, natural selection and all that goes, that's still perfectly acceptable, but that initial spark of life, you know, we just don't have enough information to uh, be able to assess, you know, what, what, what that cause was. Right. Now, you kind of think that there maybe could be a, a blending possibly. Did you grow up in a religious home? Uh, not originally very religious. I didn't, I wasn't raised religious, but uh, my parents did become religious later on, but they didn't really ingrain those beliefs into me. What did they become? Uh, just non-denominational Christian. And you're not that, is that correct? Uh, not particularly. How come? I, I don't know. I think... Uh, I don't really want to be cut, be a part of just an institution where there's like sort of a uh, rigid hierarchy of command and stuff where you've got a middleman between you and your beliefs. The church, in other words. Yeah, the church. So have your parents tried to convert you? Uh, not really. I mean, as far as what they're involved in, it, it's not very rigid. It's sort of just, you know, a belief system where, you know, you believe what you believe in and then try to do good by that and you're pretty much set what do you think the core message is what do you think the important message is of Christianity of Christianity I guess uh, you, it's basically just uh, rules of conduct I mean you uh, respect those you know the creators parents and God and then just other people respect those created of God and God himself and who do you think Jesus Christ is I suppose 
some people would claim that he's not the son of God, but I think he was probably a great prophet. There's a lot of evidence to support the fact that he did, in fact, exist and all that. And I think he was a great prophet. I don't know if he's really the son of God, but as far as prophets go, he was probably the best. All right. So what was his message? If he was the greatest prophet of all time, what was what was he preaching? Uh, salvation, I suppose. And what does that mean? Well, salvation from, I guess, uh, the corrosive uh, evil desires of some people. What about the salvation of their soul? Well... When you talk about soul, I guess that would be a higher purpose. Uh, perhaps, you know, what you do in life lends itself somehow to a greater purpose. So maybe he was preaching some sort of message where you have to think beyond yourself and your own material needs. And so this um, Jesus Christ, he, uh, if, he was, if he was here um, preaching, what do you do with the stuff, with the records where he, was, he did talk about an afterlife? He called himself God. He talked about a heaven he talked about a hell you said that he was a great prophet but if he said things like that what do you do with those statements that make him seem to be a little bit more than just a prophet i don't know they could be all blown out of proportion uh i guess you know you can choose I, I guess i personally choose to believe that you know only parts of the message you know those things which which parts well i, I guess uh, love for your other your fellow man and uh being altruistic and all that but as far as you know afterlife and all that i mean we can't be sure until the end so why is it then you've taken this book and you've selected certain things that you perhaps like or agree with but you've rejected other parts of it what was your system for deciding which was something that you should agree with believe in or reject I guess you just follow your heart, you know, you try to get as much information you can from as many sources and then kind of put it all together. In a, in a Feelings, your intuition, your instinct. All right, what you believe. All right, once again, though, if Jesus said that he was more than a prophet, he said he was God, I think there's three options then. He either was God, he was lying, or he was just nuts to say something like that, right? I mean, you'd have to be kind of out there to say that you are God in the flesh living on this earth. Which one do you think it is? Was he lying? Was he a lunatic? Or do you think that he might possibly be God in the flesh? He could very well have been God. I mean, even even if he was a madman, I mean, he still had some st substance to what he was saying. But I guess I really haven't decided, you know, what I believe that he was. Right. All right. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Yes. Okay. Have you... How do you determine if you are a good person or not? What is your standard of measurement for knowing that you're a good guy? Well, it's it's totally relative. I mean, if you feel that you're being righteous and virtuous and uh, you have a set of beliefs that you stick by and, and are altruistic, then I suppose, you know, you have to assume that you're a good person. I'm going to share with you, if you would be so kind, if you give me this leeway, to share with you... Um, the standard that I think the Bible says we must measure ourselves by, because I don't know if you realize this, but the Bible says that there's a day of judgment. We are live our life, we're appointed a day of death, and then God judges us, which is a big thought. And we should probably spend some time pondering that, because if that's so, even if there's a remote possibility, we would do well to consider how we might do on that day of judgment. So you'd consider yourself to be a good person, maybe compared to some other folks, compared to just how you feel you're doing in life, how successful you are. But how would you do in the eyes of God? Do you think that God would look at you and say, yeah, he's a good guy? 
Well, it really depends on uh, some, I guess, some sects, you know, have more rigid standards for that sort of thing. But, I mean, if you just look at the law of God given down to Moses, I suppose, yeah, I am a pretty good guy. Okay, so have you ever told a lie? Oh, I probably have, yeah. Have you ever stolen anything? Yeah, I I probably have. Ryan had a sexual thought about somebody that you shouldn't have had? Well, I don't know. That's all relative. I mean, I don't know who who, who I wouldn't want to think about. Well, I, I say that just because Jesus, that's the adultery commandment. But Jesus said that you don't have to actually have commit the act. You just need to think about it, and he judges the intention of the heart. So if we just think an adulterous thought, we're an adulterer at heart, is what Jesus taught. Same thing with calling somebody an idiot or a, you know, in anger or disgust. Call, you know, oh, yeah, have you ever done that? Oh, absolutely. Because Jesus said, you've heard it said of old, thou shalt not commit murder. But I say, if you call somebody a fool, you've committed murder in your heart. Have you taken the Lord's name in vain? Oh, sure I have. All right, so you're standing before God on Judgment Day. You brought up the Ten Commandments. There was five of them that you've broken. Do you think God's going to find you innocent or guilty? Well, it's all great. I suppose, you know, we're humans, and we're, if we were created, you know, of sin and stuff, we're all guilty. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree, but, I mean, that doesn't fly, though, in front of a judge on Earth. You know, hey, if we're all people, judge, we all kind of steal stuff. If he's sworn to uphold justice... He's going to find you guilty if he has the evidence, right? And wouldn't God do the exact same thing if he knows everything, every thought, every deed, every action? Would you be innocent or guilty before him? In the eyes of God, probably guilty, but uh, Jesus did uh, preach forgiveness. Yes, he did. Yeah, you're right about that. Because Jesus talked a lot about heaven and hell. In fact, he talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. Because he actually said more people are going to hell than are going to heaven. He said broad is the road that leads to destruction. Because it's a place where lawbreakers go. If you stand before God, you're guilty. Like a judge who has sworn to uphold justice here, he has to uphold justice in heaven, if you will, and send people to hell. And it is now time for today's Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we start with a rare, and I mean rare, victory for common sense. A women's college has quickly reversed plans to admit transgender students after massive backlash. Just days after announcing their inclusive policy, administrators scrapped it following an alumni outrage and a plummeting applicant pool. Just days. Oh, I forgot to say that the college, the women's college I'm talking about, is a Catholic women's college. The president of the university apologized, admitting that they failed to grasp how the move would undermine single-sex spaces. Okay, well, well, whatever that means. Anyway, nice to see wokeness kind of wafting away for once. Even though it took leaders to actually face real stakeholders, you would hope the leader of a Catholic university would have recognized that before the decision was made. But a win is a win is a win. Meanwhile, in Virginia, prosecutors dropped the final charge against a school superintendent who covered up a transgender bathroom assault last year. This has been going on for quite a while in Loudoun County, Virginia. The superintendent got busted for lying to the public to conceal the rape of a ninth grade girl. Yet after the damaging election cycle ended, the new funded DA let him off the hook with the slap on the wrist. So now the official who placed politics over the safety of students gets to quietly ride off into the sunset with no consequences for his actions. No doubt a major relief for the teachers unions and the predators they run interference for nationwide. And now to Florida, where a Florida judge has ordered unusual punishment. And when I say the word unusual, I mean 
not very smart. Anyway, unusual punishment for an anti-Semitic teen who was plotting a mass synagogue attack. Instead of prison, here's what the judge assigned this teen, a book report on a Holocaust book to teach historical facts on genocidal hate. That'll teach him. Something tells me this creative sentencing might not actually reform anyone who is radicalized to the point of actually attempting terrorism. But let's see if the English assignment can actually pay off. And I'll be the first to admit I was wrong if it does. And while Florida experiments with book reports, Washington is moving to take books away from law enforcement. Yeah, the city council may strip police power to investigate certain property crimes like burglary or theft. The goal, they say, is lowering incarcerations to promote racial justice. I'm going to let that one sit there for a moment. Because ignoring victims is no justice at all. Prioritizing virtue signaling never helped anybody. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called a curse for us. When Adam sinned, all creation came under a curse, and everyone who breaks God's law is cursed. But Jesus bore our curse on the cross so that we may receive the blessings of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. So you brought up, though, about Jesus forgiving. What is that all about? What is your understanding of that? Uh, my understanding is if uh, you repent, I mean, you, uh, you acknowledge that you've done a wrong and that you're truly sorry, then you're, you should be forgiven. Yeah. Okay. So you, go to, you can go to heaven because you're forgiven. You're not perfect, but you have been forgiven for not being perfect, and you get to go to heaven if you repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ. That's, that's like the core message of Christianity. That's what Jesus came to preach. He came to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So tell me, how old are you, by the way? 21 years old. You seem to have rejected that whole concept. How come? I don't think I've really rejected anything. I mean, I suppose I was, at heart, I would still consider myself being a Christian that, uh, from, that, from that camp of Abraham. But, I mean, I also, you know, try to see what else is going on and learn as much as I can about everything in life. Which is okay, you know, to examine and explore other religions. But if I asked you this, is Jesus Christ the most important thing in your life? What would your answer be? Uh, probably not. Because you know your gospel, the one, the gospel of Luke, that we're supposed to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, follow in Him. Our love for our God should be so amazingly extreme that our love for our parents, our children, our own bodies is like hatred by comparison. Well, but I suppose uh, that you can show your your love for Jesus in many different ways if you're. If you're trying to eke out a good life and uh, live in virtues that you and God consider good, is that not a, is that not love for God? Well, sure, but the the key issue isn't just doing good and trying to keep the rules. The big issue is being in a right relationship with God, being forgiven by God. You know the story in the Bible. Man was created to be in a relationship with God, but we sinned, we goofed, we broke off our relationship with Him, and the only way to be restored to that relationship with Him is by being forgiven by repenting and putting our trust in Jesus Christ. So we can follow the principles of the Bible, but they don't do us any good because we still fall short 
we still break the laws. We break those commandments, and we still have a debt. We still have a fine that God is demanding payment for. And if we don't have payment for that in the blood of Jesus Christ, then we're going to be in big trouble on the day of judgment. So the big issue is where are we at in our relationship with God? Are we an enemy of God, or are we in a right relationship with God? So if Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, he's the only one. He's the guy who said, I'm it, there is no other. Assuming all of this is true, of course, what the Bible teaches, where do you think you're at in your relationship with God? Well, I suppose I've uh, gone through that a bit, you know, with... I've accepted him as my savior, but I suppose, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I've kind of faltered a little bit. I mean, I keep him in my mind, but... You know, I don't know if I'm really following as truly as some people would have you believe is necessary. Do you read your Bible? No. Now, would you consider yourself to be born again? I, I have heard that term thrown around, yes. Do you know what that means? Yeah. And it's really important, because you know what Jesus said? He said that unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Boing. So if that's true, we should figure out just what that means to determine if we are or not. Do you know what, what do you think it means to be born again? Well, I don't remember the exact prayer that was said, but it was an exact one where, oh, where you, uh, you accept the belief that Jesus died for the sins of all mankind on the cross. Oh, so somebody maybe led you in a sinner, what they call a sinner's prayer, is that right? That could be. Did you have some sort of conversion experience? Uh, I suppose that's what it could have been called. When did that happen? Oh, that was, I was just at church one day. <laughs> what did you do? What happened? I had been going there for a while, and I thought it could be t time to say the uh, to say the prayer. And when you did that, did you apologize to God? Apologize? No. I'm going to give you a uh, a little understanding of the biblical word of repentance. All right, because some people just think that repentance is you know just maybe realizing you've goofed up, maybe it's saying you're sorry. But let's just say that you and I agreed we're going to go on a road trip, and we're going to go to uh, Texas for a road trip, go down there and do whatever. So I say, I'll tell you what, Luke, I'll drive because I've been to Texas before. We hop in my car. We start driving. A few hours later, you're looking around and you're going, man, there's just way more pine trees than when we left the cities. And there's a lot of big lakes. And now I'm seeing a sign that says Canada, 80 miles. And you recognize I'm taking you in the wrong direction. Now, I've wasted your time. I said I knew where I was going and I didn't. What would you want me to do at that point if you wanted to get to Texas? If I wanted to get to Texas, I suppose I'd have to, uh, you know, get you to change the direction or uh, go about my own way. Specifically, you'd go, hey, dude, look at the evidence. You're going in the wrong direction. And then you'd want me to agree. You know what? Now that you mention it, I am going in the wrong direction. Then you'd want me to stop, apologize, because I've blown it with you, turn around and start driving and not stop till I get there. That's the act of repentance. We're going along our own way. We're living our life, kind of doing our thing, thinking we're a pretty good person. But it's when we understand that God is going to judge us for all of our thoughts and our words and our deeds, and he's going to send people to hell for breaking his laws because it's such an offense to him. And we go, oh, man, God, that's really scary. And you've been so kind to me. You've provided everything in my life. You died on a cross to save me from my sins, and I've been living against you. God wants you to agree with him. You've been living the wrong way. He wants you to stop. He wants you to apologize, and he wants you to turn around, forsake your sins, stop living for yourself, and start living for him. Now, you know that doesn't mean going to a monastery, but it means that he's the priority in your life. 
and he doesn't want you to stop until you get to him. That's the act of repentance. And a lot of people, maybe they were told to simply say a prayer and say that you believe in Jesus Christ, but the Bible teaches that's not it. Just believing in God doesn't cut the mustard. The demons believe and they tremble. They can. It's like as if you were flying along in an airplane. And the, you're cruising along at 30,000 feet, and the pilot comes on and says, Ladies and gentlemen, the tail just fell off of the airplane. We're going to be crashing in about four minutes. However, there's a parachute underneath everybody's seat. Luke, what would you do with that parachute? What would I do with the parachute? I'd take it and use it, I suppose. Exactly. You don't just sit there and go, Okay, I believe the pilot. I believe that parachute could save me. You know, in fact, I think I'm going to sit here and maybe sing some praises to the parachute. That's silly. You wouldn't do that. You've got to put him on. And you've got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. It's not just a matter of acknowledging. It's a matter of trusting. And the way to do that is to really just think about who he is, your lifestyle in comparison, how you've been living against him and how kind he has been to you. And you humble yourself. You apologize and you put your trust in him. And he says, if you'll do that, then he'll lift you up and he'll give you a new heart with new desires. And you'll have a experience that is born again. You're spiritually reborn because you can't go back into your mother's stomach you need to be spiritually reborn and that happens when you die to yourself i'm done with me god i'm sorry forgive me have mercy on me and he says i'll lift you up and i'll exalt you and i'll give you a new heart with new desires and on the day of judgment you'll be innocent and not guilty and i'll take you to heaven so that you can glorify me because that's really what life is all about it's about glorifying your creator so if you haven't done that you know you had an experience you're kind of trying to figure stuff out Nobody can make you do what I just described, but I sure would hope you would think about it. I really would hope that maybe this would be something you'd ponder even today, that you think about what the Bible teaches about where you came from, what you're doing here, and where you're going. Because, man, judgment is so sure. The Bible talks about it so much. It's so sure. And God will throw people to hell, and you don't want to go there. And I don't want you to go there, and I hope you would think about it and respond to the good news and get yourself right with God so you can go to heaven. Is that a reasonable plea on a Wednesday afternoon? I suppose it's reasonable, yeah. But I suppose if I've learned anything from reading uh, Dante's Inferno, I would only go to the first plane of hell. Well, if Dante's Inferno is in alignment with what the Bible teaches, all right? Because the Bible does say that there are degrees of punishment in hell, all right? The worst degree of hell is like extremely, horrendously, totally, completely, horribly awful. The least worst place in hell is violently, tragically, disgustingly, painfully awful. It's all bad, man. It's not good. Besides, more than that, you know what? You shouldn't become a Christian or even think about becoming a Christian because you're afraid of hell. It is absolutely right. You should be afraid of hell. But think about the reality of hell, the reasonableness of hell. But then focus on God's kindness to you, all right? I mean, every breath you've taken, he's provided. He's patiently waited for you. And more than that, Jesus Christ did that because the Bible teaches there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. For your sins to be forgiven, blood had to be shed. He did it for you. So you think about your lifestyle, and then think about him doing that for you. And instead of doing it fearfully, you do it tearfully. God, I'm really sorry. You did that for me, and I have been a jerk. And you apologize, and you become a tear-filled convert, not a fear-filled convert. Fear-filled converts, it doesn't stick, if you will. We come to him because we recognize his kindness, not his wrath. Does that make a little bit more sense? It does, yeah. So, yeah, think about hell, but think about his kindness, too. And that's what should bring you to repentance, all right? What are you studying here? Um, mechanical engineering. Now, you believe in right and wrong. You believe in numbers adding up and multiplying and becoming a specific number, right? Yeah. 
you work with numbers, you work with angles, you work with designs, it either works or it's either right or it's wrong. And the same thing is true with God. I'm guessing you're going to be on the campus and the biggest message that you're going to get around here is all roads lead to God. Don't worry about it. Be tolerant. You can be whatever you want to and you can get to heaven. Now, you can make that decision, but you need to know that Jesus Christ didn't provide that option for you because he's the guy who said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through him. All right. So while that seems intolerant based on what you're going to hear these days, that's what Jesus said. Okay, it's not Christianity. It's not church. Jesus said it. So again, either he was telling the truth, he was nutty, or he was a liar. So figure out what he was, okay? Because the option of just, well, I'll just take my spiritual path, Jesus didn't provide that as an option. All right? Fair enough? All right. Thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it. All right, dude. Have a good day. This is Wretched Radio. As you know, we like to talk about MediShare here because it's affordable biblical health sharing. And I actually saw an ad from MediShare announcing themselves to missionaries. How smart is that? What a blessing that might be. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's an alternative to traditional health insurance, which means it's alternatively less expensive. The average family saves about $500 per month. It's Christians sharing the health burdens of other Christians. It's a beautiful thing. Whether you're a missionary or not, if in that is a need you have, I encourage you, metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a nice person who's going to pray for you. And they will tell you what your family can anticipate and you can ask questions. 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Well, thanks to our amazing gospel partners around here, we have been able to accomplish some pretty amazing things in 2023. This past year, we were able to launch Season 2 of Transformed. We launched Wretched Worldview 2. And let's not forget Season 4 of Road Trip to Truth, plus hundreds of hours of Wretched TV and radio. Now, what's possible for 2024? Well, we are excited to tell you about something new that we'll be starting next year. Can't let the cat out of the bag just yet, but what we can tell you is we need your help in order to make it happen. That's why we want you to prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. And right now through the end of the year, when you do that, every donation you give will be matched dollar for dollar. So join us, become a gospel partner today, and together let's make 2024 even wretched-er. In a good way, of course. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. 
books of the Bible. Exodus is the story of God saving His people from oppression and giving them an identity and an inheritance. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, which begin with the statement, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Good deeds have always been a response to God's saving work, not a means of earning salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, young lady, could I ask you a question on the radio? Interrupt your studies just for a second. Three questions, the big questions of life, big philosophical questions. Questions are these. Where did you come from? What are you doing here? In other words, what's the point of life? And where do you think you're going when you die? Where do you think we came from? I came from my mother. (laughs) Where did she come from? Her mother. We have to stop at some point. (laughs) Where do you think people came from? I don't know. Evolved, created, Big Bang? Probably. Evolved, all right. And what do you think we're doing here? What's the point? Um, I don't know. Maybe there's no point. Maybe there's no point. What are you studying, by the way? I am reading for my English class, but I'm majoring in um, child psychology and education. All right, I'll come back to that. I'm kind of curious. What would you tell a child their purpose of life is? If they ask me that, I'd tell them to ask their mom because I don't know. And where do you think you're going when you die? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I don't really think about when I'm going to die because... You're young. Yeah, right. It's not important. How old are you? I'm 18. Did you grow up in it with any sort of religious training? Um, not really. I went to church a little bit, but that's about it. Not too religious. Why not? I don't know, because my family wasn't. Okay, fair enough. But now you're 18, you're getting a little bit older and starting to think about these things at all? Um, kind of. I'm going to start trying to go back to church and stuff, learning about it, but... Why would you want to go back to church? Because I, when I was younger, I went, and I want to start going again. Okay. What do you think... So, Christian, I presume, right? You say church, you must be a Christian, or grew up in a Christian something or another? Yeah. Tell me, then, what do you think is the central message of Christianity? What do you think is the important teaching of Christianity? That I wouldn't know. I was too little to remember, I guess. So you don't have any idea? No. All right. That's what you want to go to learn. All right. Would you be kind enough to let me ask you a couple more questions? Uh, sure. I'll go really fast. All right. And when this will be very quick, but when we're done, you'll go, okay, I think I just learned something. All right. So here's an offer to learn something and I won't charge you a thing. Unlike everything else around here. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Yeah. Now, what I'd like to do is ask you some questions about the Ten Commandments. Are you familiar with the Ten Commandments? Not really. You know the story, the Moses, the Ten Commandments, written on stone. They're God's laws, God's rules. Do you think you've kept the Ten Commandments? No. That's a pretty honest answer. So, like, for instance, lying. Have you ever told a lie? Who hasn't? Fair enough. You're right, right? But people who tell lies are liars, right? You'd agree with that? Not always. All right, have you ever stolen anything? Yes. <laughs> have you ever dishonored your parents? No. Okay, did they never had to tell you to do anything twice? Oh, probably. Yeah. You know, you're naughty. You're just being naughty, not doing what you were told to do. It would be dishonoring or disrespecting your parents, right? I guess. All right, have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Um, probably. All right. Well, instead of, you know, letting out a four-letter zinger, <laughs> you use the name of the Lord instead. 
That's 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 what I'm talking about. Taking the, the the name of the Lord in vain. All right. I just asked you those questions because I think we just asked you four questions about the Ten Commandments. The Bible. Don't know if you know this that you are interested perhaps in studying says that there is a day of judgment for everybody, that we die and then we get judged by God. If that's true, if God, who is the just judge of all the world, you have to stand before him to give an account for every thought, every word, every deed, every action, everything, do you think he'll find you innocent or guilty on that day? You gotta forgive people. I mean, nobody's perfect. <laughs> but do you th But again, breaking the laws... You know, that excuse doesn't work in a court of law. You couldn't stand before a judge and go, well, judge, nobody's perfect, and he's going to let you go. If they've, if they've got the, uh, the evidence that you've done wrong, that you've broken the laws, would you be innocent or guilty? Well, I guess I'd be guilty. Right? That's the honest answer. It's a rather unpleasant answer, but nonetheless, you'd be guilty before God of breaking his laws. All right, so, if, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't think anybody's not, really. I agree with you. You just quoted a Bible verse. You're right. Everybody sins and falls short of God's standard. You're absolutely right. All right? But we should figure out the whole process here because God isn't going to let us off the hook because everybody else blew it too. So there you stand before God. You're guilty. Now listen very carefully to the way I phrase this question. You've broken God's laws, your thought life, your actions, everything. Should God send you to heaven or to hell for breaking his laws? Um... Well, it depends upon to what extent. Like, if it depends upon how you are as a person, like what's in your heart, not like what you did when you were 15 and stupid, you know? So, I mean, if you're a bad person, then you're going to go to hell. If you're not, then you're not. <laughs> okay. It looks, is that the, uh, the Christian organization that gave you something? Uh, no, this is my friend. She probably put it on a flyer. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I want to, again, you can do whatever you want to do with this information, but I would simply share with you that actually the Bible says, though, that when we look at ourselves to see if we're good or not, we shouldn't compare ourselves to, like, that person or that person. We have to compare ourselves to God's standard of perfection, and God's standard of perfection is the Ten Commandments. So every time we lie, he sees us as a liar. Every time we take anything, whether it's an apple or a pen or anything, he sees us as a thief. In fact, Jesus even said, if you just look at somebody and have a sexual thought about them, You've committed adultery in your heart. You just call somebody an idiot or a fool in anger. You've committed murder in your heart because God sees the intentions of our hearts. And what he sees, the Bible describes, is something that's deceitful and wicked above all things. And that's why we do bad things. And we work our hardest to try to restrain those bad things. But at our core, at our nature, we're corrupt and we're broken and we are sinful. So if God judges and sees that, everything. I mean, just think of thought life alone. If he finds you guilty, which you confessed he would, again, the question is, should he send you to heaven or hell for breaking his laws? Well, he shouldn't send you to hell. <laughs> well, you know what? It's just a hard answer, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to say that. All right, but here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to explain to you what the Bible teaches, and then you can figure out what to do with it, all right? Because the Bible says you should go to hell. I mean, it's the hard thing to say, so... He's going to hell. <laughs> Everybody should go to hell. Okay, you hear my emphasis on should? Everybody should go to hell because they've broken God's laws. You know, some people have the impression that God's just kind of this white-bearded guy who kind of trips around heaven with a cane, but the Bible describes him as a just judge, a righteous judge, even an angry judge who doesn't like it when people break his laws because it dishonors him and it's very offensive to him. So he will punish people for breaking his laws on the day of judgment, and he will send them to a place called 
hell. And that's a horrible thought, because you know what hell is like. I know you haven't been to church for a while, but you know what hell is like, right? Sure. It's awful. Now, here's the rest of the story. Do you know what God has done so you don't have to go to hell? No. What do you know about Jesus Christ? Nothing. <laughs> All right. Here's the story of Jesus Christ in a nutshell. Jesus Christ came to this earth 2,000 years ago, claimed to be God in human form, took on a human body and claimed to be God in the flesh. And he said the reason that he came was for one specific reason and one reason only. And that was so that he could shed his blood because the Bible teaches there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. So Jesus Christ, God himself, came to this earth and shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins so that your sins, your violations against God's law, could be forgiven. Because God will send people to hell, but he doesn't want to. And so he created a plan. He came to this earth and took basically the punishment you deserve. So instead of sending you to hell, he came and basically took hell for you. It's called the good news. The most kind thing that anybody's ever done for you is by dying for you and shedding his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Because God doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want to send you to hell. He wants you to get into a right relationship with him. He wants you to glorify him. And he wants to spend eternity in heaven with you. That's amazing kindness. So the bad news is God is just and he's righteous and he's holy and he's going to send people to hell. But he's also loving and he's kind and he died to forgive you of your sins so that when you stand before him, you'll be found not guilty and you can go to heaven. That's the good news. So while the painful side is you should go to hell, God desires that you go to heaven. So here's another important question for you. If it's true that God died for you, shed his blood to forgive you, forgiveness is available for you, what do you think your response to that should be? What do you think God requires you now to do? I don't know. <laughs> Well, if I had done something really horrible to you, punched you in the nose, you know, just knocked you about the head and just was really, did really bad things to you and would just beat you up and you've been kind to me, well, what would you want me to do? What would you want, what would you want me to say to you after I've physically hurt you? I don't know. Apologize? You bet. Apologize. You bet. Say you're sorry and really mean it because... You've been kind and I've been a jerk. Same thing is true with God. When you recognize his kindness and how you've been living, you go, God, I'm really sorry. I've blown it. I've been living for myself and I should be living for you. And you've been kind to me. You've provided everything for me and you died for me and I'm sorry. The Bible says if you'll do that, if you'll humble yourself, repent, which means to say you're sorry, to confess and forsake your sins. And if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, the Savior of your soul, the Bible says you'll be restored to a right relationship with God, which means you'll be forgiven and you'll go to heaven with God if you'll repent and trust. All right? So that is what some church is going to teach you if you go to church. That's the message of Christianity. You, know, you just got a little lesson in, in a nutshell. That's what the Bible teaches about God's relationship with us. All right? Does that make sense to you? Yes. You're a nice young lady. Thank you very much. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>